Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 44. We've entitled it, Who's in Charge? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's, let's start off with that theme, uh, looking at the G7 meeting, and they have decided that um, a 15% corporate rate should be the uh, goal uh, the range, uh, the limits of everybody. Now, I don't know about you. I, I'm a general skeptic of government in general. And when inefficient, ineffective, and anti-liberty governments collude to uh, go across the board and to put maxes and limits and ceilings and floors on different things, just uh, makes me a little hyper, a little nervous, um, a little annoyed, actually. Um, I'm not crazy about big government on the local level. I'm certainly unhappy with it at the state level and totally uh, frustrated and angry about it on the national level. And when you go into the global scheme of things, in my view, that makes it even worse. But, oh, uh, what the heck. They all think they have brilliant ideas. They all think they're smarter than we are. Let them play their silly games. I think the best thing we can do is opt out. Now, along the lines of government and government efficiency and effectiveness, you have the whole email chain released on a Freedom of Information Act thing from uh, Dr. Fauci. Um, I've thought since the beginning, since back in the days when he and Dr. Burks were appearing uh, with President Trump on the daily briefings on the COVID, uh, I thought he was just a scheming little um, slippery bureaucrat. The guy's 79, 80 years old, something like that. He's been a bureaucrat his whole life. Um, I don't think he's treated a patient probably ever or maybe since his residency or whatever. Um and I just found it rather disturbing that this little Napoleonic individual was calling the shots. Uh, I was kind of annoyed with President Trump for deferring to him. But on the other hand, I understand it was something out of Trump's wheelhouse. And so he had to rely on somebody for valid information and direction. And I felt that he was being ill-served. In fact, later when Dr. Scott Atlas and others started to appear and question, first of all, the limitation restrictions and, and um, I guess, banning, in essence, of therapeutics, I also was disturbed by the whole fact during this pandemic that never once, never once, did the medical establishment promote uh, uh, boistering and bolstering your, your immune systems? Uh, I've been taking zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D and magnesium and all those things all along. Uh, today is my 75th birthday on this Sunday the 6th. And uh, if I had the COVID, I survived it. If I didn't have it, well, I still survived it. So I think the whole medical community has proven itself to be 
while at least in the bureaucratic sense, has proven itself to be less than adequate for what we're facing in these days and ages. And now we have what we think is almost verifiable proof that it may have leaked from the Chinese virology lab. What we don't know is, was it an accidental leak or an intentional one? Were they testing a bioweapon to see how effective it would be? I don't put it past them. In fact, Glenn Greenwald had an article today in Real Clear Politics and on Substack about the parallels and the connections between the whole anthrax thing that followed uh, 9-11. So you may, I recommend that to you. Glenn is a liberal. He's on the left side of things, but he's an honest reporter, an honest journalist, and I would recommend his article to you if you can find it on Real Clear Politics. Speaking of which, J.B. Shirk is someone I like to read occasionally. Uh, he said it's time for a coalition of free American states, and I recommend that to you. That was from May 29th, and it was in the American Thinker, J.B. Shirk, S-H-U-R-K. And what he's basically suggesting is states that are committed to as much individual liberty as possible, and I put that in quotes because we still have too much restraints and controls by states, even the so-called free ones. I mean, just look at the necessary requirements for licensing for most human endeavors and activities. But nevertheless, he's calling for a coalition of free states. I might add that there are probably three provinces in Canada who could be encouraged to join in on that if uh, if it went that far. But it's something you might read and consider in going on. Another one I read is Bill Bonner, uh, the editor of the Bonner-Denning letter. And he's got an article in called The Destruction of Civil Society. And I think it's really, it's really insightful. I even though we may at times be concerned with the economy, like the the price of cryptocurrency, the price of commodities, uh, precious metals, and so forth, what's the stock market doing up, down, over, about? And I know you've heard me say several times that the stock market is a false indicator, especially if you're looking at the Dow or something like that. But nevertheless, it goes right down to the bottom of the, of the culture. The, the the culture is determinative. It, it it determines your direction and your approach to capital investment, to use of capital for what you use your capital for uh, in going forward, and how much portion or what what significant portion of that capital does government confiscate for its own. Uh, will its own ways of doing things and i think you've heard me say many times in the past government has no heart no mind no soul so you got to look at any government priority any government initiative uh where does it come from uh what's what's the impulse what's the driving factor that puts it into play or makes it even seem to appear to be desirable to a number of our quote elected representatives and senators and so forth. Uh, there is no soul behind government initiative uh, because it is soulless anyway. 
Anyway, then another one I, I read is the Sprott Report, and I would encourage you, the Sprott Monthly Report. And they uh, they have a big article this week on gold and the impact on gold and what the whole economic fragility uh, would indicate for gold. Um, the things, though, that I've read, and I'm not an expert in this, and I'm sure some of my listeners are, uh, from what I understand, though, gold and silver, particularly the trading dollars, the volume of trade in gold and silver exceeds the supply. Now, I find that problematic. Um, I don't buy gold unless I can hold it, squeeze it, put it in a box and hide it. I don't buy gold certificates. I don't buy gold stocks. Uh, if you're going to buy gold, I think you got to have the real thing and have it in your hands. So only deal with traders who deal with the hard metal anyway. Um, Casey also talks about Basel III. That's the, the Swiss meeting about where uh, the especially the European nations and sometimes the USA gets involved, sometimes not, but where they're trying to come up with a economic direction, an economic focus, an economic purpose for many of the nations, the so-called, quote, capitalist nations, even though they're probably social capitalists, most of them are. Uh, anytime government's in bed with corporations, you don't have a true capitalist system. But he said that's a, their meetings and their attempts to come up with a uniform approach to the global economy is going to make gold a much stronger commodity going forward. I would agree with that. Anytime there's uncertainty uh, in the markets, anytime there's uncertainty in the whole production and logistical supply chain consumer cycle, then gold is always a, uh, a good idea. Uh, even though you may have trouble spending it, once you have it, um, I know a lot of people buy gold strictly for investment purposes, not looking at it as a potential uh, means of uh, acquiring food, supplies, fuel, what have you. But that that thinking may be changing these days as things become more fragile on the global scene. Another one I would recommend to you from the Stansberry Digest, and uh, it's it's pretty self-revealing it's or something that that i've thought for a long time and i'm sure many of you have over the years particularly you entrepreneurs or people looking for your little slice or little niche of liberty where you can escape all this chaos it was by berna barshay b-a-r-s-h-a-y and it was in the stansbury digest it's to beat the market pick a lane and that's basically, I think, a sound investment strategy, regardless whether it's good times, bad times, or whatever. In other words, know your field. If you're going to invest in a certain sector or area, know everything you can about it. Then you won't be shocked or surprised if things go up or down. Uh, don't try to go to the broad market, the broad economy. Nobody can figure that out. If they could, the economists, we wouldn't need economists. They would just hum along on its own and uh, operating under rules of common sense and logic. 
But anytime you have an economy that has government involved, capricious and arbitrary decisions on government's part, it's going to affect the economy negatively or positively. And so what she's saying in this article is if you're going to invest in the market at some point, pick your lane. Pick an area where you have an amazing amount of expertise compared to your friends and neighbors and others. Now, truly, it's difficult to, to, to know a sector really well. There are investment counselors and advisors who specialize in sectors who still don't always get it right. But on the other hand, if you pick that sector, you pick that lane, and you know everything you can about it, it's like anything in life. The more knowledge, the more information you have, the wiser and the more reasonable your decision-making will be. So uh, uh, I would advise you to do that. If you're, it, It's no different than we tell entrepreneurs, if you want to start a business, find a need and fill it, or find a niche and fill it. Or if you're selling, find a, a need and fill it. That's exactly what staying in your lane is in investing. That is finding an area where you understand it as thoroughly as possible and you're looking at where that sector, how it's going to be impacted good and bad going forward by all the other arrows flying around the economy. And then you can make your decisions accordingly. You are finding your needs. You're filling your need. You are doing your research and doing your work. Um, I don't know whether to end this on an optimistic or on a pessimistic note, because I, although we're under great, I think, chaotic times right now, most of them are government-generated. You know, if the government could keep us in fear, then it keeps us in control, and I'm talking universally and generally. As long as people are in a state of fear, they are easily manipulated and controlled. And it seems like they're just going from one little fear issue to another, time after time after time. The bottom line is, know yourself, know your own heart, know what matters to you, and refuse to live in fear. Because if you live in fear, you're not free. You're a slave to everybody else's ideas. Find your own, find your niche, be free, live free, Stay free. This is Living Liberty Today. I'm Charlie Earle.